Hey, this is Jim and Scott with the Overtime Football League. Overtime Football League, let's go! Welcome back to another edition of the Overtime Football League. Scott is out this week, so I got one of my friends in here, Dub. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Jim. Thank you very much for inviting me to uh, help spread a little football knowledge tonight. I think it'll be a fun time, and we're going to have a good, you know, it's going to be great. So, I think so, too. Uh, so, Dub here is actually a Steelers fan, so it's going to be pretty interesting because I believe uh, the Bills and the Steelers faced off tonight. Yep, the Steelers won 27-20 to tonight. And despite Big Ben's awful performance, honestly, throwing three interceptions, two of which were in the red zone, the Steelers pulled it out uh, with a really stout defense and a powerful running game, honestly, from Le'Veon Bell, running for rushing for 235 yards, almost hitting 300-plus uh, yards from scrimmage. He was certainly the catalyst for the Steelers' win today, and they, I think they definitely show that they're able to win in the playoffs in nasty weather. I absolutely agree with you. So I guess getting right into it right away as you did, uh, we're going to be going through today as kind of our Sunday night recap show. We're just going to be talking a little bit about each and every game that happened here on this Sunday, and we're also going to go through the Raiders and Chiefs game today and just kind of see what's going on through the, little, uh, through the whole NFL, try and offer a little bit of analysis of everything. And it seems like Dubs uh, stepped in here, and he knows a lot about the Steelers already. So I guess what we'll come back to that uh, Steelers and Bills games in just a little bit, and we're going to start off here with the Raiders and Chiefs. So, Dub, what do you think about that game? Kind of a disappointing performance from Derek Carr. He... He established himself as kind of an MVP candidate, uh, a very popular one at that. But his stats weren't really that great, honestly. They were terrible. 17 for 41, passing with 117 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, The Chiefs played a very complete game, I think, and definitely deserved the win on Thursday night. I agree. It it seems like Derek Carr was kind of playing that Carson Palmer treatment. He hurt his finger last year, and... He just didn't look the same, and that might be what we're dealing here with Derek Carr as well. Alex Smith, he came out in that first half and was throwing a couple deep balls, and that was really exciting. And I have to say, Hill, Tyreek Hill, he is an absolute playmaker. And I was wondering how they were going to overcome really Alex Smith's limitations as a quarterback, but they have a lot of playmakers on the team, and it's going to be really interesting to watch. Yeah, I think the Chiefs certainly are in the running for that number one seed. I think they're someone that can definitely beat the Patriots, um, especially with the Patriots losing Gronk this year. The Chiefs have a very stout defense and a, an offense that has the the pieces in order to contend, but I think the Alex Smith has got to play a spot on every week. And we'll come back to this game in just a – or we'll move on from this game in just a bit, but I have to ask, where are you at on Wiregate? Wiregate, that was a really interesting report. I didn't actually see that during the game. Well, for those listening, what happened is it seemed like Derek Carr threw a lob up to Amari Cooper, who was wide open, would have had a touchdown and potential to tie this game maybe. And instead, it looked like he just sprawled out in the open, looked like he almost fell down. And then later a report came out that the ball might have hit the spider cam uh, that goes across the field. And it's interesting. I think, I think rewatching the film of that play, I, it certainly looks like the ball took a weird trajectory as it hit its peak. So I think this is definitely something the NFL and its um, broadcasters have to look into, maybe fixing in the future. 
And for moving on to the next game, they talked a little bit already, so we won't spend a lot of time on it, but the Steelers and Bills, maybe the reason that I don't want to spend a lot of time on it is because my Bills lost. And I knew it was a bad start from the beginning because about an hour before the game even started, I'm getting messages on my Bleacher Report app saying that Rex Ryan, he might be fired as soon as tomorrow. Tyrod Taylor, he might be getting benched for Cardhill Jones, their third-round rookie. And it's like, wow, what is happening with this team? And it really showed like the team stopped playing today. Mm-hmm. I think Tyrod getting benched is certainly something that shouldn't happen. I think the offense is basically primed as a rushing offense primarily. There's They don't really pass the ball very often because they're very reliant on uh, LaShawn McCoy. So I think Tyrod has the tools to be a very good starting quarterback, and, I, and he's shown that this year. So I think benching him is very, very it's, – it's a bad decision uh, this early in the season – or excuse me, this uh, close to the playoffs um, – given that the Bills are still technically in contention um, and Rex Ryan getting fired again, I think the Bills need some more time to establish a team under Rex Ryan rather than firing him right away. That's kind of the Cleveland way. And as we all know, we've seen how that turns out. I really feel like Tyrod Taylor is the best pure running back or running quarterback in the league. It didn't translate today though, as he attempted three rushes and got two yards out of it. LaShawn McCoy, he rushed 12 times and only got 27 yards. And that is disappointing because I I don't believe the Steelers are known as a stout running defense. So that was something. And speaking of a game that featured a running quarterback, we're going to move on to the Panthers and Chargers. Panthers won this game 28 to the Chargers 16. And it didn't seem like Phillip Rivers was really on tonight, did it? No, Phillip Rivers... uh is actually my fantasy quarterback, and so I was keeping <laughs> keeping tabs on him all day. Uh, had a total of five turnovers, I believe, um, three interceptions and two fumbles. Absolutely atrocious performance by Phillip Rivers. Um, it's remarkable that they were even as close, I guess, in score as they were, given Rivers' uh, performance. His passing was okay, but... And what might have aided to the, to the loss was a loss to Melvin Gordon, who went down... Uh, speaking of fantasy, he's my fantasy running back in about three leagues. He had three attempts today for five yards and then went out. I don't know exactly what he went out with, but I guess we're going to have to follow up as that. And It was a hip injury. A just hip to, injury. Just to clarify, um, he had to get carted off too. So most likely, you know, more likely than not, it's going to be a couple weeks before he comes back. And I don't know what to say about Cam Newton this year. He hasn't looked exactly on this entire year which is strange because Calvin Benjamin is back and he's been a non-factor for this team really going forward Uh, today he had one catch for 11 yards only yeah Calvin Benjamin another person on my fantasy team drafted him in like the third round um definitely disappointing this year I think Cam Newton's kind of lost his swagger as has the entire Panthers team they're not playing with the energy that they did last year and wrote to their their Super Bowl appearance in 15-1 and one regular season campaign, so something's got to change. Don't know if it's the coaching staff. I don't think firing Ron Rivera is a good idea, but something needs to change from leadership perspective. And moving on, the a game that I incorrectly called, I thought Browns might have their first win here, but they did not. They lost to the Bengals 23-10 to in a game where Andy Dalton still played well without the limitations of having no A.J. Green in the lineup. 
You still put on a show, but that is not hard to do against the Browns. Yeah, absolutely. The, the Browns are a train wreck. Let's let's be honest. The, an zero sixteen campaign is looking very possible as the weeks pass by. Um, but I think the emergence of Tyler Eifert as kind of the go to guy for Andy Dalton, especially in the red zone, has really helped this Bengals offense. He was hurt for the first eight weeks of the season, but ever since he got hurt, or excuse me, ever since he came back, the Bengals offense looks to be a bit better scoring wise. But losing AJ Green is still a huge. Uh, huge disaster I guess for the Bengals offense I thought the Browns might look a little bit better today because they had RG3 in the lineup but he was not good and I believe at halftime he finished the halftime with a 0.0 QBR I don't know if that's accurate or not but that's what I read yep and he their best wide receiver possibly their best player on their offense Terrell Pryor he had one catch for three yards. You have to throw it to your playmakers. Absolutely. The the Browns need to find a quarterback uh, in the next draft coming up. RG3 isn't the answer. I don't think Cody Kessler is the answer. Obviously, Josh McCown isn't the answer. So something's got to change up with the Browns at the most important position in the league. Talking about teams that might need to get a quarterback in the next draft, we're going to move on to the next game. It is the Bears 17 and they lost to the Lions 20. Now, this was an interesting game and really featured, once again, the heirs of Jeff Triplett and his officiating crew. Uh, At one point, Jeff Triplett called a penalty on the wrong team. He called a hands-to-the-face penalty to the the offensive line of the Detroit Lions when the offensive uh, penalty should have gone to the Bears. And usually you can give a break to the refs, but... Jeff Triplett is infamous for having this happen in games and games. Yeah, this is a really bad example of every every football uh, fan's biggest gripe with officiating. Um, just calling it on the exact, you know, calling on the wrong number is one thing, but calling it on the exact, you know, the wrong team when it's blatant what happened in the replay, that's, that's just inexcusable. And there needs to be some sort of discipline, I think, from the league office for Triplett. One thing I have to say about just after watching this game, Matt Barkley put up very similar numbers to Matt Stafford. I know that everyone is claiming Matt Stafford is putting on this MVP run. Dumb, I know you're one of those, but I do not see it from him. I think the Jim Bob Cooter offense is largely what it's in part of. It's a dink and dunk offense that gives him a quick release so he can have somebody open and then rely on yards after catch. Golden Tate is leading the league in yards after catch right now, and I think that's heavily factoring into uh, Matt Stafford's MVP-like season that people are claiming. But I don't think he put on that great of a show today. He had two interceptions, which puts uh, against the Bears this year, he has four interceptions. Yeah, and I, I I agree with you to an extent. Today his his performance was awful, but when in when it when the the Lions needed him the most, that was in the fourth quarter, he. He took them on a long drive and ended up scoring a rushing touchdown to seal the seal the win, twenty to seventeen. So, I definitely think there's a factor with some of the Lions' offensive playmakers being very good after the catch. But I also think that Stafford deserves some sort of recognition towards the MVP vote this year. I I can see that be in a sense because he does not have a running game at all, and without Amir Abdullah in there and just of what he's been dealing with, he has been putting up some decent numbers. 
and another team that's been dealing with a pretty abysmal running game is the Colts. And today the Colts lost against the Texans. And I believe this is the first time in the Texans' history that they have swept the Colts. Yep, absolutely. The Texans played a very good game today against the Colts. Um, Brock Osweiler, not so much again. I mean, he was serviceable, I guess, 14 for 24, 147 yards, one pick. But it's looking like, every again, every passing week, it looks like the Osweiler experiment might be over after this season. He's not producing the numbers that the Texans need. I don't know how the Texans keep winning these games honestly I feel like they're seven and six right now and they should they look like a four-win team if that DeAndre Hopkins who last year lit the world on fire once again in this game two receptions and 33 yards and he was the leading receiver of the team with those stats I think it says something when Brian Hoyer last year, actually the amalgamation of all the quarterbacks that Mm -hmm. played for the Texans last year, including Brandon Whedon and uh, I believe um, Case Keenum or TJ Yates. I can't remember which one, but the amalgamation of all those quarterbacks um, playing much better than Brock Osweiler did with that $72 million deal that he got. And what do you do with Brock Osweiler at this point? You paid him all kinds of money. You didn't see him in person. And now you have this quarterback who is holding your team back. Do you give him one more season? I think you give him one more season, but, you know, the thing about the Texans is that the team is set up to rely mainly on their defense, but they're missing their biggest superstar on defense in J.J. Watt. Um, I think it'll, I, I think this is kind of a true, this is kind of painting the true colors of Brock Osweiler, not having that defense to rely on necessarily. Still a very good pass defense, but the entire defense isn't as great as it was last year, and I think, we're really seeing what Brock Osweiler is like um, with the performances he's been putting on this year. And to talk about the Colts a little bit, T.Y. Hilton is for real. This guy is a great and underrated wide receiver. I believe at this point in his NFL career, he has more yards than Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne had at this point in their career. Yep, two Hall of Famers, uh, great players. T.Y. Hilton's a great player, definitely a great burner. Um it's been you know it's been interesting seeing him come on in recent years. I think he's been doing a great job uh, helping give that dimension to the Colts offense. And moving on to the next game, the Vikings and Jaguars. Now, as you might have predicted, the Jaguars did not light the world on fire. They did not have a very exciting game. But it does seem like Marquise Lee is the new number one wide receiver on this Jaguars, who once again lost to the Vikings, twenty-five to sixteen. Yeah, it's really interesting to see Marquise Lee finally pro- start to prove himself. A second-round pick back in, um, excuse me if I'm wrong, but 2013, I believe. Allen Robinson and Allen Hearns coming into the season were huge, were very hot uh, players, performing very well. Um, for this text or excuse me for the Jaguars offense and definitely kind of pushing them you know before the season started they were they were picked as a as a sexy sleeper pick for the AFC given their you know an explosive offense as well as a, a coming together defense but it's been really disappointing I think the the biggest person to blame is Blake Bortles I think he's definitely regressed since last year it is Blake Bortles has regressed at an alarming rate. His throwing motion is completely off, and he does not look like a great quarterback anymore. And at a certain point, it's not just Blake Bortles. It is the coaching staff. You need to sit him down and see what you have with somebody else because 
I think he still has a chance to be a great quarterback, but he's not doing it right now. Sit him down, fix his throwing motion. The season is lost. You're 2-11. Sit him down because this is another team. What are you going to do? You're going to draft another quarterback maybe? But you have to sit down Blake Bortles because he is the future of your franchise. Yeah, just a quick add. I think Gus Bradley needs to go after this season. He is. Oh, no doubt. He has been coaching awfully. It just seems like the entire Jaguars on both sides, you know, or excuse me, in all three phases of the game, just have no energy. They're just, you know, they just are out there because they're making money, not like they really want to be out there. I think there needs to be a coaching change. There, It's been way too long with Gus Bradley. People could give him the benefit of the doubt because he was coming into a, a, an atrocious franchise with a new owner and really young players, but it's been long enough. There needs to be some results from the Jaguars. They're too talent-rich to be 2-11 and right now. One thing that I think has really flown under the radar this year is the Jaguars, I believe, are fourth in total defense throughout the year. Their defense has been stout. It's been doing great, and it's the offense that has been failing, which nobody would have thought for this year. Yep, everyone thought the Jaguars were going to be a top-five offense. That hasn't happened. So. And they have been surprising. Another team that's really been surprising this year is the Cardinals, and not in a good way, just as well. Uh, today, again, they lost 23-16, to 16, or 23-26 to 26 to the Dolphins. The Dolphins got to celebrate another win, and this moved them up in the rankings, but definitely at a cost, as Ryan Tannehill is out for the year with a torn ACL. Yeah, and I think you can say all you want about Ryan Tannehill being kind of a mediocre quarterback the past few years you're definitely right but he has definitely been a part of why along with jhie and an emerging defense um why the Finns are starting to win games again they're they're looking like a potential wild card team but without Tannehill, i don't see this team going you know more than nine and seven that's not gonna be enough to get past the steelers the ravens uh or any of the other teams in the afc that could potentially pick up a wild card spot over them Matt Moore, I I don't know if he's really going to be able to lead this team to anything. Mm-hmm. He came in today through three, uh, pa- five passes and got three completions for forty seven yards. But it's gonna see, it's gonna be interesting to see really what they do with it. They do have a pretty stout receiving core. Jarvis Landry has the NFL record for the most receptions through two for through the first two years, and Kenny Stills, he's a Bernard. Devontae Parker, he's looked like a stud at points, and he has Jay Jai in the background. He has the things around him just as Ryan Tannehill did, so it's going to be interesting to see what he can do, but the Dolphins probably are going to make the playoffs, and and it'll be, like I said, interesting. Yeah, just to talk about the Cardinals a little bit, um, what a disappointing season, honestly, man. this They were my pick to represent the NFC this year. You know, coming in, they had a great, good-looking offense, great all-around back in David Johnson, definitely a top three back in my book in the NFL. But Carson Palmer, man, he is the reason why this team is not as good as they should be. He is playing awful this year. Um, or excuse me, 18 for 33, 145 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions, just not what this Cardinals offense needs. He has been playing awful all season and he needs to finally he needs to find some sort of consistency i can agree with you to a point but also it's this cardinals offensive line that have not been giving him a chance to do anything the strength of this cardinals offense last year was the deep ball where they gave him time and he would be able to find people downfield that's why john brown and jj nelson aren't doing anything this year 
because they thrived on that deep ball and getting open down the field, and that hasn't been there for them at all this year. But a team that has been regressing lately is the Philadelphia Eagles. They went down today to the Redskins, and they lost 22-27. to Yeah, the Eagles, something's going <laughs> The That early season uh, bye has definitely killed the Eagles' momentum, starting off 3-0, and but since then, you know, going 2-8, and um, eight, just not, something's going on with that offense. I think Carson Wentz has really regressed. I mean, he's playing well, but I think it, they, the it's definitely been shown that the Eagles lack a true number one receiver. Ryan Matthews isn't doing it, you know. Uh, Darren Sproles, the second leading receiver today, uh, five for twenty-seven. Um, just, you know, and they also don't have a consistent running game. Ryan Matthews has been hurt. You know, uh, Wendell Smallwood is a rookie. He's not coming on yet. He was a fifth-round pick too. And Darren Sproles being your number one back. I mean, maybe you know if this was two thousand nine, but. He's a great receiving back still, but just not someone that the Eagles can rely on in the running game. I definitely have to agree. Uh, Carson Wentz has not been doing that great this year. Since he started off, he started off with 100 games over, uh, or four games over 100 QBR, and since then has been regressing. And I believe leads the league in turnovers since that point. He has not been what this Eagle offense needs, and he is a rookie, so you got to give him a break. But on the other end, Kirk Cousins is for real this year. He's going to get paid. They should have paid him last year because now it's going to be hurting their co- their pocketbooks a lot. Yeah, and they're they're talking about franchising yet again, which is kind of ridiculous. I mean, you're seeing what he's doing against a lot of these top-tier defenses. The Eagles have a very good defense this year. That's the reason why they're winning. They won the games that they did. And the Redskins are for real on offense. Uh, Rob Kelly's definitely coming on as a true number one back. Pierre Garçon's finally starting to come back. Um, Jameson Crowder's starting to come on. Jordan Reed's a true, um, you know, stretch tight end that they that they can definitely utilize in the red zone. So just a great offense um, in general. Uh, so another offense that has been really clicking this year is the Tennessee Titans, and they pulled out another win today. They pulled out 13-10 to over the Broncos, and... This was a surprising game because Marcus Mariota, who has looked fantastic through many times this year, today he went out only through 20 passes and completed six of them. It was really interesting because the Titans, they ran the ball over 40 times and they just relied entirely on their rushing offense today. And going back to the last podcast, I really said that they were in a, that the Broncos were going to shut down the Titans receiving core, and that's why they were going to win. Well, they shut down the receiving core. They still lost because the Titans, they couldn't beat them through the air, so they beat them through the ground. DeMarco Murray, he is fantastic. He is back this year. And Derrick Henry, he's also looking good. Mariota, he ran eight times today. He ran more times than uh, he completed passes. It was a really interesting game. And Trevor Simeon didn't look that bad, did he? No, he had a actually a really good game, 33 for 51, um, or 33 out of 51, excuse me, for 334 yards, um, only one touchdown. And, the you know, Simeon looked really good today, but too many turnovers on the Broncos' part. And I think that really speaks to the Titans' defense, definitely quit clicking very well under Dick LeBeau's uh, scheme. And it's definitely one of the reasons why I think the Titans are going to win the AFC South this year. 
too strong on both sides of the ball. Even Mariota having a, an awful game today, they still won. Um, so I think the Titans are definitely going to make some noise uh, in the AFC South. So what do you think is going to happen next year? Uh, Trevor Simeon, he's played pretty decent this year, but they get invested in a first-round pick with Paxton Lynch. Do you think they're going to stick with Trevor Simeon next year, or are they going to put in the the second rear Paxton Lynch at that point? I think Simeon deserves another shot at the um, at the starting job next uh, next year. So I think Paxton Lynch hasn't looked that good this year, um, but Simeon, de- yeah, like I said, Simeon deserves the job next year. Lynch has looked awful this year in the games he's played. Give him one more year to get himself acclimated to the pro pro system. Trevor Simeon has more experience in the Broncos uh, system, so I think you give him one more year and then see after that what happens. And one thing that he does do good is he gets it to the star players. Uh, Trevor Simeon, he's been throwing it to Thomas and Sanders consistently over and over. Today, Damaris Thomas had 10 catches for 126 yards. Emmanuel Sanders had 11 catches for 100 yards and a TD, and that is fantastic to see a quarterback that you know, comes in and just gives it to the star players. So our next game that we're going to be moving to here is the Jets and 49ers. Today, the Jets went out and finally got that elusive win and beat the the 49ers. And uh, I don't even know if the Jets can be happy about it because now they might hurt their draft position and not get a player that could really change their franchise. The Jets really need a quarterback, honestly. Fitzpatrick was the answer last year, but this year... Obviously not playing awful. Same with Bryce Petty, a um, fourth round pick, I believe, out of Baylor. Just they just neither one of them is the answer. And neither is Christian Hackenberg. I don't think they need to go out and draft a quarterback next year if possible. Um, but I was surprised to see the Jets win this game. Honestly, at the beginning, it looked like the 49ers were going to pull away with it. Colin Kaepernick was playing great in the first half, but then kind of regressed after that. Oh, yeah, 133 yards for Kaepernick. This is really the tale of rushing game. Mm. Bilal Powell got 29 rushes for 145 yards, two TDs. And on the other side for the 49ers, Carlos Hyde also had a great game. With only 17 attempts, he got 193 yards. Hyde is definitely going to be the cornerstone of this offense going forward for the 49ers, a true number one back, someone who can do it all, uh, rush it, you know, run it out of the backfield, as well as catch it out of the backfield. Just a great player overall. Um, 49ers also another team that needs to find another um, quarterback in the next draft. And Bryce Petty, last week when he was in the game, he came, came in towards the end, and he was just targeting Anderson over and over. And that's what he did again today. He had 99 yards when uh, Blair, Brandon Marshall, he definitely struggled and Quincy and Nunwa didn't really get involved either. Yeah, the the Jets, <laughs> the Jets are a weird team offensively. They got these great skill position players. Um, Brandon Marshall. They did have Eric Decker, obviously, at the beginning of the year. But like I said, the quarterback is what needs to change, and that's the reason why they've been struggling all year. So that game was exciting in the fact that it went down in overtime. Uh, the next game that we're moving to did not have any chance of going to overtime as it was pretty much over at halftime. We are talking, of course, about the Seahawks and the Packers game, which to me, I don't know about you, Dub, but this was the most surprising game of the week for me. Absolutely. I picked the Seahawks to win this game close one. As did I. Yeah, as 20, did everyone yeah, probably. 27 to you know, 24, something like that. But 
Aaron Rodgers and the entire Packers offense, including the Packers defense, looked amazing. But I also think we need to talk about how Russell Wilson had five interceptions today. That's really uncharacteristic for the, him. That is the career high for interceptions for Russell Wilson. And this is also the first time in his career that he lost the game by more than 10 points. Yeah, and Wilson, still a great quarterback, I think. But I definitely think this shows that the Seahawks might be too reliant on that defense we've seen many times this year their offense played just atrociously you know first week against Miami didn't even put up 10 points um against the Rams a couple weeks later didn't even put up (laughs) 10 points yet again so their offense is way too hot and cold they need to find some sort of consistency in both the passing game and the running game too many running backs coming in and out for the Hawks start out with you know Christine Michael now going back to Thomas Rawls and just definitely need to find some sort of consistency on offense and I thought it was interesting today for one, the Packers finally have a touchdown on offense that was scored by that didn't have somebody named Aaron involved in it. Before today, all the Packers passing and rushing had somebody named Aaron involved. Aaron Rodgers running in a couple balls. Aaron Ripkowski, the other person that scored some touchdowns. But today, Jeff Janis finally ran one in, as did Ty Montgomery. And the Packers receiving offense also looks for real. Jordy Nelson. I think he's comeback player of the year. He is doing. He is a red zone threat for sure. Absolutely a contender for red or excuse me for comeback player of the year. Um, coming off that uh, ACL injury last year, um, playing absolutely wonderful. I think the Packers' offense is starting to come together. Devonta Adams truly establishing himself as that second wide receiver threat along with Jordan Nelson. Um, Randall Cobb though has been really kind of disappointing again this year. Just seems like he's always injured or inconsistent, and I think it's you know stems from those injuries that he's been sustaining a lot. One thing in this game that was annoying to hear was Joe Buck uh, during this was consistently saying once uh, – well, in the fourth quarter, they took out Aaron Rodgers and put in Brent Hundley, who did nothing. He went 0 for 2 in passing. But during that, Joe Buck kept panning the camera back to Aaron Rodgers and saying how concerned the pack – Packers fans should be about Aaron Rodgers and his leg and each time they panned it back Aaron Rodgers was smiling and laughing on the sidelines and having a good time didn't look in pain at all they were showing that we were up by how many points and Aaron Rodgers had 150 passer rating for this game I do not think Packer fans need to be concerned about Aaron Rodgers no Aaron Rodgers is going to be the reason why I think the Packers are going to sneak into the playoffs and win the NFC North a team that really should be probably considered or concerned about their quarterback is the Rams. Today they lost 42 to 14. And a fun fact that came out of this game, the Falcons who beat them in this game have scored more touchdowns in LA this year than the Rams have. And by the way, this is their only game that they played in LA. Yeah, and this is the this clinches the 11 straight losing season by Jeff Fisher just Giving him an extension this year was a huge mistake by the Rams. Uh, Jeff Fisher is the king of mediocrity among NFL head coaches. Yeah, he took the Titans to one Super Bowl appearance, but that was also because of Steve McNair. Jeff Fisher has shown that he is not capable of drafting well. Uh, the Rams have some good pieces, but it's just it's not coming together. He's not, especially on offense, uh, Jared Goff playing awful today. Uh, Who is a downgrade from Case Keenum, by yeah, the way. Absolutely. 24 for 41, you know, 235 yards, that's great. But two interceptions, you, 
and you know they traded up for this guy first overall he's not showing that he deserves the number one overall pick like Jameis Winston or Andrew Luck has in years past um I definitely think this was a mistake by the Rams to draft him so high they definitely could have gotten someone else you know like Dak Prescott in the fourth round um just well to be fair no one knew Dak would yeah turn you're right Dak. you are absolutely right but I think <laughs> Jared Goff coming out of college, yeah, he was good, but he wasn't that kind of, you know, he wasn't that great talent, that once-in-a-generation kind of talent that Andrew Luck was, or even someone who had the success in college like James Winston or Marcus Mariota did last year. Yeah, absolutely. I guess there isn't exactly Andrew Luck's coming out of college. (laughs) You don't know who's going to turn into what, and you have to take chances sometimes, and I can respect that, but Jared Goff has not turned into anything, and... I know a lot of people were clamoring, saying you have to have played Jared Goff this year, but it's been a mistake. 42-14, to 14, they lost to the Falcons, and Matt Ryan, I think he is the guy that really should be in for MVP talks. Absolutely, I agree with you. He's been on fire this year. Um, returning to his Matty Ice form after a couple losing seasons by the Falcons, definitely, I think, the front runner for MVP, putting up great numbers, uh, leads the league in passing yards. He's definitely going to be in that discussion when it comes to the final MVP vote. Uh, another quarterback, or a battle of two quarterbacks that have actually been playing pretty well this season. Uh, this is the Saints and Buccaneers game where the Saints lost 11-16. to Kind of a weird box score. Tell us about it. Yeah, so the Saints um, scored a field goal right away, and then they got a safety um, in the second quarter, I believe. Um, you know, the... The Saints' offense has been kind of weird this year, too. They've shown the ability to be very explosive, but um, recently, you know, they've kind of been inconsistent. Um, I think, you know, you and me talked about this, Jim, I think Drew Brees should be in the discussion for MVP. Without him, the Saints' team is, you know, 3-9 and uh, or 3-11 and 11 or whatever, you know, not, not very good. Um, yeah, there's still five and eight after this game. Drew Brees had zero touchdowns, three interceptions. Not a great game. And their offense has been really weird because Mark Ingram, he is a weird player. Uh, some weeks he goes off. Some weeks he does nothing. This week, he split carries with Tim Hightower. Mark Ingram had seven attempts for 14 yards and just a really disappointing game. But we can't go through this without talking about the Buccaneers who won this game. Jameis Winston had 184 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, not a lot to write home about. And the only person that really stood out on their offense today was Doug Martin. Yeah, Doug Martin finally coming back from the injury he sustained earlier in the year. Um, Resembling, you know, wasn't great yards per carry, 23 for uh, 66 yards and a touchdown. But he is again providing that dimension of the offense that Tampa Bay has been kind of lacking since he went, since him and both. Jaquiz Rogers went out. I think the Tampa Bay, I, or excuse me, I think Tampa Bay is a playoff team. I think they're going to be a wild card. They're going to sneak in at the five or six spot. Um, they've got it all. The defense is starting to finally click together, as is the offense. The offense playing very well under Jameis Winston's direction. Um, they got a true number one receiver, top five in the league, and Mike Evans, absolutely a beast. Um, didn't play, you know, didn't play the greatest today, but. He, he still is there and provides that dimension of the offense that the Buccaneers de- desperately need. I really think that Mike Evans didn't put up a lot today, but I think he has been the best wide receiver in the league this year. 
Antonio Brown and Julio Jones are going to be fighting for that next all-pro spot because I think Mike Evans has it locked up at this point. I agree with you. I think Mike Evans certainly is the best this year and has established himself as a perennial, or excuse me, an annual uh, top five receiver every year. Definitely worthy of consideration for all-pro preseason pick. I agree. And that will wrap us up for today. The Dallas Cowboys and New York Giants game is just starting off right now. It's about at halftime, so we're going to really review that on our next show. The only thing that I will say about it right now is Ezekiel Elliott once again over 100 yards rushing already. 19 carries, 104 yards. There is no stopping that man, and it's going to be, I imagine that the Cowboys are going to win this game, even though that they are down by three right now, because I've been calling that the winter is coming for the Giants. I don't think they're that great a team, and Eli Manning, his arm strength isn't that great, and I don't know how they're going to be through the rest of this year. I think the Giants have the pieces on defense. Their defense is phenomenal this year. Uh, the addition well, they paid a lot of money for true, it. True, they did, but... You know, it's paying off. Olivier Vernon and um, Jason Pierre-Paul are really combining to be, you know, one of the best, uh, you know, sack duos, uh, pass, pass rushing duos in the league. Um, but I think I agree with you. Their offense, two one-dimensional, no running game. Rashad Jennings isn't the answer. You know, there's Paul Perkins. Um, and Eli Manning doesn't seem to really turn it on until it really matters most. So I guess we'll see what happens. I think Dallas is the real deal with a, that great offensive line. But I think I think the Dallas is going to win tonight's game. All right. Well, that wraps it up for this week. Thank you, everyone, for joining us and another edition of the Overtime Football League. Dub, thank you for sitting in with us and talking a little bit of football. Yeah, man, it was great. Thank you very much for uh, inviting me, and hopefully, look forward to doing it in the future if you ever need me. Okay. Well, maybe again this week because I don't think Dub will be back, or I don't think Scott will be back until Thursday. But wrapping up, and thank you again, everyone, for listening to the Overtime Football League.